Hi, and welcome to About You, a new podcast about people in our communities who make a difference for others. I want to know how people spend their free time volunteering, what motivates them, why volunteering is important to them, and what kind of volunteering they do. Join me as I talk with community leaders passionate about making a difference on About You. So our guest today is Barbara Yell. Uh, Barbara, thank you so much for joining us on our second episode of About You. And I'm excited to talk with you today about your passion, which is foster parenting and adoption. Thank you for having me today. I was a foster mom myself in Las Cruces, New Mexico. When I was there, I realized just how much I needed support from other foster parents. And so when we moved to Roswell, I noticed there was kind of a lack of support for the foster parents in this community. And so when we moved to Roswell, we actually finalized an adoption of two of our foster children. We have four kids and two of them were adopted through foster care. We decided that we were not going to continue fostering at this time because four is enough right now. I still (laughs) wanted to be involved, you know, and so, so creating this support group was something that was on my heart. And I was able to talk to a few of my friends here and to my church here. And they, that also had a passion for foster care and adoption. And together we were able to create Lighthouse. That's awesome. So you found some resources locally and uh, all got together to put this together. Yeah. I was, I was looking at your website, you had a CPR training for foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking a little bit about the monthly support groups. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, those services that you offer? Sure. Yeah. We wanted to provide a place where other foster parents or adoptive parents can come together and, you know, share their experiences in a safe place with each other. Once a month, we have that. We provide free childcare for them. So sometimes the parents come and they're like, this is the only, you know, date night that we've had. We (laughs) are able just to, to talk about the things that we're going through without, you know, like social service workers being there. And it's been really helpful. And then the CPR training too. So that sounds like, um, you know, you're offer some classes that can help. Yeah. We're trying to, you know, get more trainings that we can help, help provide because, all foster parents require a certain number of training hours a year. And we want to just do what we can to help our local families stay involved and stay active. Did you say that they're required a certain amount of training yes. hours? Yeah. Each state has different rules and regulations. They all require um, like continuing education and CPR and first aid is one of them. Also have certain training hours in like trauma and overall um, child abuse and child care and things like that. So if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit? I'm curious about how, you know, you integrated as a mom. You have four kids now, so you adopted two of them. And how did that work in the household? Did they all, how did you bring that family together? And how was that experience? Days and bad days. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of our children, the foster children that we brought in, we actually brought him home from the hospital. That situation was a little bit, I guess, what I'd consider easier because to my two biological children, it was just like bringing home a baby, you know, like they've always just considered him their brother and they've known him. We, his older sisters, 
decided to live with us until she was almost three years old. You can imagine just any toddler, you know, they challenging, um, just their normal toddler behaviors. Us being new to our family and us being new to her, she, she did a great job. And I think it helped because, you know, the baby was her brother and it was a little harder just because of her age, I think. And sure. We've used therapy and um, definitely the trainings that we were required to do. And there's lots of books on foster care and attachment and a relationship with some of their birth family. And honestly, that has really helped. I'm a huge fit for having relationships with birth family. Something that you still have ongoing today? Yes, yes. I mean, you show that keeping those connections really helps with the children's self-esteem and like, you know, knowing who they are and really important to us. So, so it sounds like that's the preference is if, if at all possible, try to maintain those relationships, but there may be certain instances where it's just not healthy for the kids. So you every day as we, and as the years have gone by, like, I mean, it's actually only been two years since we finalized our adoption. So we're still relatively new awesome. in the process, but every day we, you know, grow stronger and learn more. And, and did you know from the get-go that you were going to adopt or, or was it that you were starting with fostering and wanted to see how that would go? What was, For how our, did you get into that? Um, you know, knowing that you were going to adopt our family, we, we knew we wanted to adopt. It was just something that I had wanted to do like all my life. Like I just have had a passion for it for a really long time. And then, so my husband, you know, he agreed to it and knew that that's what we wanted to do. We talked about it for a long time. And then we decided that foster care was the direction we wanted to go to do that. We also knew that we would foster until we found the appropriate child to adopt and that we were fine fostering also, as long as that took. So we did foster a few children before we adopted. And we're not, I mean, Warren may say different, but we, I say we are not closed, you know, like we maybe we'll go back to this someday. So I hope we will, but. Well, it, it, I mean, it's a very loving family. So <laughs> whatever you do will be great for the kids that you help. <laughs> so what does it look like from a volunteer perspective? Are there, are there people that help out? What do they do? Um, do you have any, any needs for more support? When I moved here, I, um, I met several current foster families that are here in Roswell and um, other people who are passionate about it. We have many places throughout the United States have CASA, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And those are people who go through a training. They advocate for the children that are in care when they go to court. Sometimes the children are, you know, infants. And so they obviously cannot speak for themselves in court. And so these people are kind of a non-biased party that go to court for them on their behalf or speak up for them. And they, they go to family visits and talk to foster families and just kind of try to help protect the children, I guess, and make good decisions for them. And mm -hmm. so we have a really active CASA in Roswell that, um, they provide a lot of trainings for families and they try to provide clothing and things that the families and the kids need here locally. So we work really closely with them. Yeah. If I believe my first trip to Roswell, the Casa had a uh, annual fundraiser in the winter. Yeah. It was all decked out. It was quite the, quite the show. So it's interesting to, to now learn about how that, how that um, relates to what you're doing. And it sounds like 
Lighthouse has a good connection with CASA. And what about other volunteers? Is there oh, yes. a so need for... We did just recently organize our storage unit and we have had some great teenager volunteers. They're called the Assist Teens. And they came in and volunteered and helped us organize. And some of our local schools, their um, student councils at local schools have done little fundraisers for us. Like right now, one of the private schools in town is doing what's called Socktober. And they are collecting socks for us, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) I just spoke with them and they have- Timely, for sure. Huge, huge boxes of socks. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think I saw coats on your, on your website yeah. as well. You had a yeah. big supply of coats. Yeah. Definitely something that um, I'm sure will come in handy as it gets a lot colder out there. Yep. So with the changes in you know, COVID that started up this spring, how has that changed how you interact with um, helping support kids and families or, or has it not? Well, it definitely slowed us down a little bit as far as our monthly support group meetings. We weren't able to have them in person for a while. We have just started um, working on getting some Zoom meetings going. Unfortunately, children are still continuing to need foster homes during this time. We've maintained contact with our local child services and our local foster families, and they've still had needs. So um, when possible, we still fill them and we just drop clothes off on front porches or um, we've been sending you know, DoorDash gift cards to families and things like that when we can. Oh, that's excellent. So you're, it sounds like you're getting creative with the ways that you can help support them rather than, you know, make, you know, having them all come in person and pick up items. Yeah. Uh, I love that idea of dropping it off on the front door. I'm sure that families are just so happy when they get that the doorbell rings and there's a box full of stuff for the kids. <laughs> so then if you're, you mentioned earlier that you were not, a, uh, not a 501 C three yet. Is that a goal that you have? It is. Yeah. I, I really want to work on that, but right now, um, my church, our church has let us be underneath them so that we can still be, um, tax free. So when people make donations and things, you know, they can get tax write offs and we can be under their umbrella. That's great. I was going to ask about that. We have something similar out here in my community where there's a parent nonprofit organization and for groups that need help um, or, or don't have that 501c3 status yet, they can kind of attach on and get the benefits. So then how are you, um, how are you funded? Do you, is it more donations and supplies and volunteers or do you have a need for funding to keep the program running? So a little bit of both. You know, mostly the actual physical donations, um, those have been a huge need. Last year, around this time, we sold gift cards. A local jewelry store, um, who they are some friends of ours, they decided to help us out by selling gift cards where we received all of the proceeds. And we made a lot of money from that. It was awesome. And so that helped us out last year. And that's the money that we used actually to be able to buy the food gift cards, which has been helpful. And then this, okay. yeah. And then this year, a t-shirt sale, we have been selling those. And that has been our, our little fundraiser. There is a quote that I wanted to share that is also kind of our motto at Lighthouse. 
and it's by Dr. Karen Purvis and she is just an amazing um, specialist in, in trauma and, and child care that foster parents have often read her books and use her in trainings. Anyway, her quote says, not everybody should foster, not everybody should adopt, but it is in our DNA because it is in his DNA to care for the vulnerable. So ask, what's my piece? I love that quote because it's so true. Like, you know, you, you may not be called to be a foster parent right now. It might not be the time for you to adopt, but you might have a piece of luggage in your garage right now that you could donate, or you might be able to make a meal for someone who just got a baby placed in their home, or you might be able to just say a prayer for the foster families in your community. So there's always something that you can do. um, You should do it. And, and that's your piece. I like that. So there's an opportunity for everyone, whether you have the time, uh, there's other ways that you can get involved. And it's not just in your community. You know, this is across the nation. When I was doing some research before, before this interview, I decided to look in my community and I found some things that I didn't know existed. Um, one of them was a nonprofit group for kids who are aging out of the foster system. Oh, and it helps helps them get... Uh, supplies and things that they need to be able to live independently versus just leaving the system at 18 and just kind of having a duffel bag and a bus ticket, (laughs) you know? Um, Is there anything like that in in the community as well? Or do you help with any transition? We're working on it. Actually, I have been attending some meetings in Albuquerque recently because that is one of my passions too, is just the youth aging out of care. Because um, they do, they all of a sudden they're on their own and they often, you know, need help finishing school or going to college or getting jobs, and especially in like smaller rural communities like Roswell, we don't have a lot of, of good systems in place for them. So I'm working on that. I'm trying. That's awesome. And you're networking with a bigger city in your area to, to get some uh, yeah. help and guidance. Yep. Yeah. So I hope that you are able to make progress with that. It sounds like you're doing a lot of good work in your community and uh, maybe even more good stuff to come. So I guess lastly, now that we're approaching the holiday season, is there anything that the people in your community or you recommend people do to help support kids who might need winter clothes or uh, maybe even Christmas presents? Um, how yeah, does that work? I would say definitely check with you know, your local social service agencies and see who needs coats and gloves. A lot of communities do angel trees, which generally include the foster care population. Um, Like here in Roswell, CASA does the Christmas gifts. So we generally just piggyback with them and help them when they have gaps. There will be a lot of announcements, you know, coming up on Facebook or in your newspapers and for organizations that need donations around this time of year. So definitely just keep your eyes open. Well, Barbara, um, this has been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, I think your community is very lucky to have you and all the volunteers that help support the for having me. To learn more about Lighthouse Foster and Adoption Support, visit their Facebook or Instagram pages. To learn more about how you can get involved in fostering or adoption in your community, visit adoptuskids.org 
www.childwelfare.gov or contact your local child, youth, and family services department. Thanks for listening.